It's a mystery still looming over the Hampton Roads community. Now, prosecutors are disappointed with today's results. Hey everyone, welcome to True Crime with Amanda. I'm your host, Amanda, and this is the podcast version of the videos I put out on my YouTube channel. If YouTube is more your thing, feel free to join me over there by searching True Crime with Amanda Warner. But let's jump into today's case. In this video, I will talk about some things that are happening in the news that are true crime related. They will either be popular ones in the true crime community. They could be cases that a lot of us are following, like JonBenet or ones like that, or ones that I think that need to be talked about more, or they could even be like super new cases that I just think should be reported on. Please make sure to like this video and subscribe to the channel because it's a free way to help me out. But let's just jump right into it. The first case I really want to discuss seems to be getting off the ground most recently, at least case-wise, and that is the case of Rosa Cochillon. Rosa was just 21 years old when she was reported missing back in January of 2023. She was last seen getting into an Uber on the evening of January 18th in the 2800 block of South St. Louis Street. At the time she disappeared, she lived with her mother, who told local news that she last saw her daughter around 10.30 p.m. when she told her mother that she was going to be leaving. She told her mother that an Uber was coming to get her and take her where she needed to go, and then she'd be getting an Uber back. Rosa did not tell her mother where she was going or who she was going to be seeing, but her mother did note that when she left, she left her coat behind and her ID at the house. When Rosa was not in contact with her family and friends over the next few days, they knew something was wrong because this just wasn't like her. So they went to go report her missing to the police. However, not surprisingly, Chicago police told them that they believed that she was a runaway. This really bothered Rosa's mother because according to her, and I can't say I disagree with this, she was upset that the police were not listening to her. She said no one knew her daughter like she did, and I definitely understand that. One thing that came out of the case of Naomi Arion was she was reported missing to the police by her brother, but the police did not take it seriously. So the family had to go do the investigation themselves. The family found that she didn't return to work, that she didn't call friends and family, that she wasn't in hospitals or jails, and that they went to the Walmart where she was kidnapped out of, and her brother was the one that found the video of the kidnapping. So the family went on to use the hashtag, hashtag trust the family, which I think is super important to trust the family. I know that police do have a lot to do and I'm not saying they don't, but I also think that these situations could definitely be handled better. Why can't there be some sort of like go between between police and the public where when someone's reported missing, this go-between can go ahead and reach out to a few people, follow up, make sure that this person is actually missing and just not trying to be found. I just think that more could be done for missing persons when they're reported missing. As we know, the first two days, 48 hours, a whole show on it is the most important time. So if a family reports this person missing and the police are like, oh no, they're a runaway. There goes those two hours or those two days. There goes those two days. But anyways, Rosa's mother, who was also named Rosa, and her family did not get anywhere with the police in the investigation. So the family decided to hire a private investigator on March 6th to start looking into Rosa's disappearance. Sadly, though, Rosa's body would be found on Wednesday, March 15th, in an alley on the 2300 block of West 24th Street. She had been found tied up, wrapped in a sheet, and placed in a laundry cart. I also saw that this that she was placed into a grocery cart. I saw both of them, but either way, it was a cart. She was originally listed as a Jane Doe because according to the articles that I read, police were not able to identify her by any means, I guess by her teeth or her fingers, but they said that they could not 
indicate why they couldn't or that it just wasn't indicated. Either way, it wasn't there. So sadly, the family's PI that they hired would go in and identify Rosa off the tattoos that she had. An autopsy was completed on Rosa, but her reported manner and cause of death are still listed as undetermined. And that's really where the case stands right now. I hope that police are investigating now because, I mean, she was found tied up, wrapped in a sheet and in a laundry car. I doubt she did that all by herself. But unfortunately, sometimes police have a way of surprising us. It's extremely sad to hear that Rosa would have been 22 years old on March 18th, just a few days after she was found. If you have any information regarding Rose's case, her disappearance, or her alleged murder, please reach out to 773-847-4437 or 708-639-2047 were two of the numbers that I found on a missing persons flyer because when I was doing research on this case, I didn't find any, in, any contact information for the police at the end of the articles that I was reading. So I went ahead and found those on the flyers. I know the family is offering a reward of at least $15,000. I say at least because in one article I read it was $20,000, but again, it was only one. So I want to make sure that, you know, it's clear that it's at least $15,000, but it could have been increased to $20,000. It looks like the PI is from Richart Detective Agency in Chicago. So I'm sure they will take any tips that anyone has as well. I want to quickly mention before we shift cases about a GoFundMe that was created to help by Rosa's oldest sister, who describes her sister as spunky and full of life. Editing Amanda here, I just wanted to note that the GoFundMe for Rosa has been disabled currently. Rosa's family is devastated by this, and any help that you can provide them with what the GoFundMe is describing as funeral arrangements and any help that the family may need during this difficult time. If you're able to help, that's great. If not, I know not everybody is. If not, then maybe feel free to share it. Definitely up to you. I also wanted to quickly mention that the area that Rosa went missing from is called Little Village and the residents there are voicing their concerns. A woman named, and I hope this I pronounce this right, Reina Cristina Loco Sabah, who was just 20 years old when she was found shot in the head on February 22nd, 2023. Her death has obviously been deemed a homicide and she was just found a few weeks prior to Rosa. But that's not all. 15-year-old Isaiah... Lomeli has been reported missing from the area when she was leaving a mental hospital in, like I said, the area, and she was reported missing on March 22nd. Hopefully, she'll be found soon, and I will update you on Rosa and anything else that comes out of Little Village in Chicago as it comes out. All right, so now we're going to move on to classic and sincere Pettis. According to news outlets, since I have yet to see anything about this trial being streamed, it appears that the jury has been selected for Trizel and Jacqueline West's trial. Opening statements are slated to begin on Tuesday, March 28th, and then the trial is expected to last until June. Although this hasn't been a long time, like some other cases to go to trial. I know like Daybell Vallo is the kids were found in 2020. And I know that there's other cases that have been out there longer that have not gone to trial, but this one has been pushed back a few times. So I'm glad to see that we, they are finally headed to court to get justice for classic and sincere. The trial was originally set to begin back in May of 2022. Remember, they were arrested in March 2022. So the trial was expected to start in May. Then it was pushed back till October, mostly because they were still receiving evidence. And then it was scheduled for January 30th, 2023. But they were either waiting on one of the defense attorneys to not be in trial or a free courtroom where they can actually hold the trial. For those of you who are unaware of the West case, I did a video right here, which I'm going to hopefully be able to put in. But if not, I will link it in the description box. But I'm going to do a quick recap just so that way you can 
continue with the story. Classic and sincere Pettis were placed in the foster care system in 2016 and 2017, where they would end up in the care of Jacqueline and Trezal West, who would eventually adopt them. After the boys were adopted, their names were changed to Orrin and Orson West. I'm discussing both names they were given just to make it easier for those who are following the case, but not so closely that they've watched every video. I have gotten some comments on how using the names Orrin and Orson West is disrespect disrespectful due to how they obtain their names. And I completely agree that... Ideally, no one would call them at that anymore. But unfortunately, when they went missing, all the court documents say Orin and Orson. So I'm just trying to help, I guess, do both. I just want to make sure that people who are following the trial and reading articles know who I'm talking about. So please know that there's never any disrespect for any of the victims. And I'm here for them and to tell their story. So just remember that, please. But the boys were reported missing from Cal City, California on December 21st, 2020 by their adoptive parents, Jacqueline and Trezell. I also do not like having to keep calling them adoptive parents because in my mind, there's really no difference between biological and adoptive when you're talking about things like this. However, in this case, it is completely different. When the adoptive parents are evil, like Jacqueline and Trezell West, I don't even like using the word parents to describe them. However, police would end up arresting Jacqueline and Trezell and charging them with the murder of the two boys. Sadly, neither of the boys' remains have been found. I will attempt to keep updating you on this case as the trial continues, but as I said before, I hate the reporting on this trial because like when the West would be in court for a hearing or something, I'd go to look for an article and I'd see one or two. Even now, there's only like two articles going on about this trial. I did see a few more this morning when I looked. However, they're all just like what to expect really. But if you look up Lori Vallow, you'll see 87 articles about her new mugshot alone. Speaking of Lori Vallow, let's jump right into her update now because let's face it, what's an update video without Lori Vallow? I'm sure most of you that are following true crime know that Lori Vallow was recently in court again to hear the judge rule on if the death penalty would be dismissed in her case. And not surprisingly, Judge Boyce did rule that Lori would not be facing the death penalty. I think that even if she was found guilty, I don't think a jury or a judge would send a mentally ill person to the death now, that's my personal opinion. And, you know, you never know. Juries are unpredictable from what I hear. However, they don't even have the chance now. The death penalty is off the table. Another update I think that was rolled on since my last update video is Chad and Lori's trials have been severed. And this is because Lori is pushing a trial on April 3rd while Chad wants to wait for newly discovered DNA. Whoops, that's my phone. Newly discovered DNA and wants to get that tested. So right now, his case is kind of in limbo, waiting on that DNA test. And we are set to see Lori, Lori start trial on April 3rd. Shifting gears to another well-known case, the case of Gannon Stouch. This case could be so well-known because of how freaking nuts his stepmother, Letitia Stout, is. But if you don't know, Letitia is supposed to be headed to trial. Jury selection was to begin on March 20th, but I haven't seen anything else reporting that it was on anything else reporting it than it was underway. When I'm recording this on March 26th, I go ahead and put it in the box in the little thing, hopefully, to make sure everyone knows what day I'm recording this, just in case you catch it late or you catch it three months from now and you're like, what the hell is going on? This is not new. 326-2023. So most of the articles I see are a few days old on this. And it just says, like I said, jury selection is underway. 
So we'll have to see how this one plays out as well. I know Letitia has been claiming a lot of mental health issues along the way, and I'm not saying that she doesn't have any because I definitely think she does, but I don't know if it's something that would interfere with her being found guilty in this trial. I am planning on doing a case recap for this trial soon. Hopefully it's the next video I put out, but this one hits a little close to home for me. I have an 11-year-old stepson right now, and I can't imagine... I can't imagine ever doing anything to hurt him. It just makes me real mad when I think about it. So I'm trying to get through it to be, to be able to put a video out for you before the trial either starts or gets too far into it. We'll see. But a quick, quick recap. Letitia is charged with the first degree murder of her 11-year-old stepson, Gannon. She was taking care of Gannon Solo while his father, Al, was doing some military training out of state in Colorado where the family was living at the time. Now, Gannon's mother was reside, residing back in South Carolina. I think that Al was stationed in Colorado at the moment. That's why they were living there. And Gannon's mom was living still in South Carolina because I believe they all came or at one point lived in South Carolina. But Letitia reported Gannon missing on the evening of January 27, 2020. She would tell police that he asked to go to his friend's house, but he didn't return that evening, which makes it sound like he was just a runaway. However, after some investigation, Letitia was thankfully arrested for his murder in March of 2020. And unfortunately, his body was found just a few weeks after her arrest. So I'm hoping that they can finally make it to trial because again, like I said, she was arrested in March of 2020. I know COVID had some things to do with that, but she's also been batshit crazy in the court. It's been an issue. At one point, the judge was giving the police or I guess the jail guards, whatever you call them, blanking, permission to basically forcibly bring her to court for her hearings. We'll have to see how that one plays out as well. Billy Wagner was also in court recently. On Wednesday, March 15th, he was in front of a new judge. The judge that was presiding over his case or trial had retired at the end of his son George Wagner's trial back in December of 2022. So once Judge Darren retired, a man named Rob Junk would go ahead to take his position as the judge. There is an issue with this because Rob Junk was originally part of the prosecution team that brought charges against the Wagner family and has been a part of the case since before the Wagners were arrested in 2018. So there's a conflict of interest. So George Billy Wagner III was before the new judge discussing details about his trial. It appears they are waiting on a transcript from George Wagner IV's trial, which I guess is like 13,000 to 15,000 pages. So that's going to take some time to do. They are expected for it to be ready around September and then Billy's lawyers need time to review it. The trial is expected to begin around the beginning of 2004. So that's a pretty long time from now, but I guess it's understandable given his rights and all that. But I just feel bad for the family having to continue hearing all of this. I'm sure they're ready to move on. But a quick recap in this case, Billy's youngest son, Jake Wagner, had a two-year-old daughter with his ex-girlfriend, Hannah Roden. Well, Jake testified that on the night of April 21st into April 22nd, 2016, Jake, his brother, and his father would go to shoot eight people that night. Chris Roden Sr., Gary Roden, Frankie Roden, Hannah Hazel Gilly, Hannah Roden, Chris Roden Jr., Dana Roden, and Kenneth Roden. According to his lawyers, Billy is allegedly looking forward to clearing his name. However, I'm not sure if he knows that his youngest son, Jake, testified at George's trial that Billy shot three of the victims himself. Gary Roden, Chris Roden and Kenneth Roden. Jake is supposed to testify again at Billy's trial and Billy's wife Angela is also supposed to testify against 
convinced him about the murder plot and how she kept the phones back at the Wagner home to make it look like everybody was home playing on their phones to basically create an alibi. So with these two people set to testify against Billy and his own family, I want to see how it goes clearing his name once we get to 2024, I guess. So Naomi Arians, alleged killer, was in court again. Troy Driver was in court on March 6th where he pled not guilty to all the charges against him and waived his right to a speedy trial. The judge over his case said that it'll probably be a, roughly a year before they actually make it to trial and that they expect the trial to last about four weeks in length. He is set to be back in court for a status hearing on May 29th. I put out a video about Naomi. I will try and edit here if I can figure all that stuff out. But she was kidnapped out of a Walmart parking lot in Fernley, Nevada back in March 2022. Naomi was just 18 years old when she would be murdered and her body would be found in a shallow grave about three weeks after she was reported missing. Troy Driver would be identified and arrested shortly before the tip came in about where her body was buried. As I've mentioned many times in my videos, I relate a lot with Naomi and I see a lot of myself in her. So I definitely will be following this case until the end where hopefully Troy Driver is convicted and either spends the rest of his life in jail or he is put to death. I do know that Nevada is one of the 27 states that has capital punishment, although I'm not sure if they're seeking it in this case. I know they only have a certain amount of time from when he is arraigned, I guess, or arrested. I don't. From either one of those to file it, and I have not seen anything, but we will see. Two trials wrapped up recently that were pretty popular, and I believe they both were live streamed. So, XXXTenation, I definitely tried to look that up a few times, and I found an interview of how he said it, and he said it funky like that, but I'm sure it's because he was being interviewed. I know that others pronounce it differently, but I will mostly just call him X or XXX. Side note, I was looking for some videos or some images for this video, and I just typed in XXX into Google because that's what I've been writing my notes is his name is XXX because that's a lot easier. Typed it into Google. Did not expect what popped up. I should have, but yeah. Anyways, X's murder trial came to a close with a jury deliberating for six days before they found Diedrich Williams, Michael Boatwright, and Trevon Newsome guilty of first-degree murder and armed robbery. I was really going back and forth on commenting about this case because XXX's life has been a bit controversial, controversial to say the least. Mostly because it seems like he has a lot of violence involved in it, and I mean, we'll get into that in a little bit. But XXX was born just say on Freud on May 23rd, 1998 in Plantation, Florida. It is reported that he did have a rough childhood and he said himself, allegedly at six years old, he attempted to stab someone who was messing with his mother. And I assume they mean messing with giving her problems and something along those lines. He confirmed that he moved back and forth between his mother and his grandmother's house, citing that at times his mother struggled to take care of him. His first single that went big, I believe, was released in 2016 and then went big in 2017. I have not really followed him and I'm not really into listening to any of his music, but from my understanding, he did have a pretty big fan base and he does have a family that loves him and misses him every day, I'm sure and a son that never got to meet him because he was born after he was murdered. But a big problem in X's life seemed, or appeared to be, I guess, in my opinion, his temper. Now, I'm only adding this part to be transparent and discuss things that was happening in his life at the time that he was murdered. XXX was currently awaiting trial for a 2016 DV abuse case. He was arrested and charged with aggravated battery of a pregnant woman, domestic battery by strangulation, false imprisonment, and witness tampering. After he allegedly beat his girlfriend at the the time and then told her that he wasn't going to be leaving that she wasn't going to be leaving until her face healed like you're not allowed to leave people can't see your face 
you're stuck staying here. But thankfully, she was able to escape and find police. Now, this is super gross. Super, super gross, if this is true. But he is innocent until proven guilty, and he was not able to fight to clear his name as he was murdered prior to this. And honestly, I'm going to admit that if exes, the woman that he put his hands on, if her family came back and unfortunately did this, not that I condone it, if they did this, I probably wouldn't even be reporting on it for the mere fact of how gross it is if he actually did that. Not that I'm tough at all, but I'm someone that if something was to do, something like this happened to my daughter when she got older, I would go crazy. Not that I condone it, but I think there's a difference between condoning something and understanding it. But this is not what happened here. This is not how X was murdered. He was murdered in cold blood over money. On June 18th, 2018, XXX was coming out of a motorcycle shop in Deerfield Beach, Florida. From what I understand, it appears that a black SUV pulled out in front of the car that XXX was getting into and two men with ski masks approached the car and shot him point blank and stole a Louis Vuitton bag that had $50,000 in it. X had just taken this money out of the bank and I'm sure it was to purchase something in a motorcycle shop or something along those lines, but the bag seemed to be the reason behind the murder. It was confirmed by an autopsy that he was killed by multiple gunshot wounds. And it wouldn't be too long before police had an idea of who did this. And I say too long, I guess, in relative to cases that are done by random shooters like this. It's easier, I guess, to find a connection between two people if they know each other. However, I do not believe these four men knew X on July 19th, 2018. So that's just one month and one day after he was murdered. A grand jury indicted four men, Michael Boltwright, Diedrich Williams, Robert Allen, and Trayvon Newsom with first degree murder and armed robbery. Police would say that they believe Michael Boltman and Trayvon Newsom were the two that actually got out of the vehicle to commit the robbery, with Michael being the one who pulled the trigger. Diedrich Williams was deemed to be the getaway driver. Now, the fourth man, Robert Allen, pled guilty to second-degree murder and would testify to the jury that on June 18th, 2019, the four men would decide together that they were going to go out with intention of robbing people. It was just by chance that the men saw XXX getting out of his BMW and walk into the motorbike store. Now, now, as I said, Robert Allen pled guilty to second-degree murder, and the other three would go on to trial. One of the defenses used at the trial by one of the defendants was that the murder was caused by a feud between XXX and Drake, like the famous rapper Drake. But this did not work, and the three men were found guilty. As the verdict was read, Michael Boatwright, the supposed trigger man, turned to the camera and X's family and blew them a kiss with a smirk on his face. Sounds like a real douche bag, in my opinion. The three men will be sentenced on April 6th, and the fourth, Robert Allen, is set to be sentenced a week later on April 12th. So once those sentences are handed out, I will go ahead and update you. Another trial that wrapped up recently is the state of Wisconsin versus Zachariah Anderson. He was on trial for the first-degree murder of Rosalino Gutierrez, intentional homicide, hiding a corpse, and stalking. Rosalino Gutierrez Jr. was a 40-year-old father of two who was dating or seeing a woman named Sadie. Not exactly sure how serious their relationship was at this time, but Sadie had recently broken up with her long-term boyfriend, Zachariah Anderson, in February of 2020. The couple did share three kids, so it seemed like it was a hard breakup on Zachariah. Within a few months, though, Rosalino and Sadie had started communicating and building a relationship. On March 19, 2020, Two days after he was last seen, Sadie would go to Rosalino's apartment to check on him because she had not heard, f heard from him for a few days. So when Sadie arrived at his apartment, she found the patio door open, which she said was not like him at all. And once she entered the apartment, she saw blood spatter on the floor and 
furniture. This was obviously alarming and would prompt Sadie to call the police. As she discussed the situation with police, she informed them that her ex-boyfriend, Zachariah Anderson, had been stalking her and harassing her since her relationship began with Rosalino. Police would initially arrest Zachariah Anderson for stalking and he was held on a $750,000 cash bond, but later his charges would be upgraded to include murder charges. A lot of information would be presented at trial and some of it important evidence like blood and blood found inside Rosalino's apartment was confirmed to be his and sadly the amount of blood that was found in his apartment led police and I guess investigators to believe that Rosalino could not have made it out of that attack alive. Police believe that Zachariah used his work van to transport the body of Rosalino to where he disposed of it. Unfortunately, Rosalino's body has not been found. And in Zachariah's work van, it reportedly smelled as if bleach was used to clean the interior. And there was a patch, like a square of the carpet missing that looked like it had been cut out. Small amounts of DNA was also located inside the van that matched Rosalino's DNA. Authorities located some burn pits that looked as if they had clothes that had been burned in them. The prosecution presented this as as they believed that Zechariah would use these burn pits to burn clothes that he was wearing when he murdered Rosalino. A big moment in the trial was when Sadie and Zechariah's 14-year-old daughter took the stand and would testify that her dad asked her to spy on her mother and to record her mother whenever she got upset. She would say that on the night of April 24th, 2020, into the morning of April 25th, 2020, her father would go to Sadie's home to spy on Sadie and Rosalino. Zachariah would look into the windows of her home. He would take a photo of Rosalino's license plate and would even go through Rosalino's truck. Zachariah would then ring the doorbell like a child and run off to his own car to leave the area. It was presented to the jury on May 18th, the day after Rosalino was last seen or heard from. Zachariah would buy cleaning wipes, gloves, and trash bags. Thankfully, Zechariah Anderson would be found guilty on March 22nd of this year of all charges against him after the jury deliberated for 10 hours. It appears that as of right now, his sentencing is scheduled for May 16th, although I'm sure there'll be some appeal or motion for a mistrial because it seems like those are filed a lot in these type of cases. And the way Zechariah looked, he looked like an asshole. So I'm sure that he uh, will do anything to fight this. Lastly, we are going to talk about Aiden Fucci, who was recently sentenced after a three-day sentencing hearing. If you remember correctly, Aiden pled guilty to the murder of 13-year-old Tristan Bailey, so there would be no guilt, or so he would not have a, yeah, a guilt phase of this trial where you normally hear a lot of evidence and everything, and then the jury would either go determine if they're guilty or innocent, but in this trial, all they have is the sentencing phase because he pled guilty. So over the few days of the hearing, there was victim impact statements and testimony from police, friends, and family. The judge would oppose a sentence of life in prison, but did note that after 25 years, he was able to have his sentence reviewed because of his age when he committed the crime. He was just 14 years old when he took 13-year-old Tristan Bailey's life for no reason. Thankfully, in my opinion, he was given the only appropriate sentence for him. And in hope, in 25 years, hopefully the parole board or who will ever review these sentences will see that he is a evil and angry person and should not be allowed among us. I'm sure that the Bailey 7, along with other members of the family, Family and friends of Tristan will be there to oppose any type of sentencing change. So that wraps up the few cases that I wanted to cover in this one. There's always more to talk about, I'm sure, but we at least hit a few. I do eventually want to start going live to do some of these updates to talk about the cases more in like a quicker format rather than a deep dive that lasts 40 minutes, even though this may 
last 40 minutes, but it's a bunch of them together. And I feel like that would be a good talking point. So once my subscriber count gets up there a little bit, we can join together to talk about these rather than just me talking to you. So on that note, please make sure to subscribe to my channel and like the video. You can follow me on social media. All my handles will be in the description box with the sources that I use for this video. There are also ways to support the channel located in the description box. And I appreciate you if you made it this far. I truly thank you for all your support. Please make sure to leave a nice review as it really helps the cases get out there on the podcast to grow. Until the next episode, stay safe out there. The world can be an ugly place.